Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the Tyree Film Movie Debate Podcast, hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shinahan. Uh, and I'm your resident classical music expert. I mean, I know everything there is to know about classical music, and I just watched this movie and was just, oh, God, I know everything about M- Mahler and... <laughs> You should have just went with you should have just went with Lydia Turd, Will. (laughs) Okay, it's fair enough. (laughs) And I'm Lydia Turd. Here we all right. Thanks, Norm. Uh ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate and apparently intelligence. No matter what. We encourage you all to love what you love, but for now the gloves are off, our brains are shut off, and the hissy fit is on. This week, with that snickering giggle from Barbara Vandenberg returning to the show, we are talking about Todd Field. Tar hot into the Oscar season. Um, our format is this: the recommending lover, uh, well, at least our guest. She's going to go last tonight, ladies and gents, because Will and I are going to attempt to take five uninterrupted minutes to squeak through some praise, state some thoughts and opinions, and maybe follow some counterpoints and scorched earth kind of thing, and then. Barbara's going to make us feel really, really stupid when we're done because we'll have her. And then we'll, after that, we'll open it up for 30 minutes to share conversation where the his, if it really gets chippy and educational. So raise your conductor sticks and let's go. Uh, am I first? Uh, I'm first, right? Yes. Well, first oh, okay. and foremost, Barbara Vandenberg from USA Today. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, that's right. You. Thank yeah. you for having me. Thank you for letting me um, choose the nerdy three-hour-long classical music film. Yeah. That's oh yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I, and, and during our open discussion, I do want to ask you about the ending because okay. I want oh to know God. about whether you think that's a diss or not. But Ooh, I, because okay. I don't know, because I'm only a classical music expert. I'm not an anime. Oh, of course, expert, right? So, yeah, uh, that might be difficult for me. But we'll talk about that later. But okay, I'll start my five minutes. Um, Fire away, sir. All right. Here's the thing. Uh, Tar. Um, One thing I do want to add is that there's some really cute uh, lists on Letterboxd that people are putting together where they're putting the first movie in the list as Ava, uh, the Jessica Chastain movie, the second movie in the list, Tar, so it looks like Avatar, and then they put like a long sentence one um, as the third movie, so it looks like it's Avatar whatever. So like one I saw was Avatar, see how they run. I thought that was, that's cute. So I, that's about the most enjoyment I got out of the movie Tar is looking at people's creative lists of it. It's it's from no fault of any of the filmmakers or the performances or the subject matter. Um, Todd Field, who I'm not like, uh, unlike classical music, I'm not a huge, I'm not like a big Todd Field. I'm not familiar with all of his work. Um, I did enjoy Little Children. Uh, I say that as the title of a movie. I enjoy Little Children, the movie. Okay, because um, I don't want anyone to take that audio out and change that, because that would be weird. But no, I enjoyed Little Children. I thought Jackie Earl Haley was uh, phenomenal in that. I really liked Kate Winslet in that. Um, I think it's one of the few good movies Patrick Wilson's in, because I think he just chooses the worst projects. 
Uh, but it's a good it's a good flick. So I enjoyed that in the bedroom. I remember my mom really liking that movie. Um, and and Tar um, is interesting. I mean, I I do admit that um, I am not a classical music expert, um, and I do like movies in general that kind of give me the insight into worlds I know nothing about. Um, but this one, I, I think the biggest problem was um, the the people I don't like the most in this world are like music snobs. So when you get a like 75 minute opening scene of Kate Blanchett talking about classical music and how, you know, the conductor stick is really the, the, the mace of the warrior of whatever, I was just like, all right, I'm fine. I mean... The biggest problem for me is that I just don't care. That was that was my main problem. Is I watched it and I thought incredible three dimensional lived in performance by all the actors. Like I believe that they're all musicians. I believe that they are who they are. Like I don't watch it and think, oh, that's Kate Blanchett playing Lydia Tarr. This is Lydia Tarr. Um, it's directed phenomenally. It it uses uh, the stuff that you. Uh, you see a lot with people that might be losing their mind. I really love the idea of, you know, uh, that off kilter mindset, you know, where you're seeing things or hearing things you're not supposed to see. So the filmmaking is incredible. Um, and everything is good about it on paper. It's just, I, I guess the best way I can describe it is I think, anyone who knows me knows I'm a pretty big sports guy. Not only do I coach six sports, but I watch NBA, I watch NFL, I watch MLB, I watch a lot of stuff. Now, one thing I don't watch is the NHL. Um, I follow along sometimes, but if you sat me down at an NHL game and I watched it, and I could be watching the greatest NHL team of all time playing, and I would be like, oh, okay, fine. I mean, like, I, I just don't have that connection, and I don't have that care to see that, to appreciate maybe what is on display here. But at, at some point I was just kind of like, I don't really like the character of Tar, which I might be the point. I know Barbara's going to talk about the interpretation of this. I didn't necessarily care about that world. I didn't care about her story. I didn't really care about any of it. And to me, that's a large part of watching a movie is you have to have some emotional investment. So I cannot trash anything about it in terms of, like I said, it could be the perfect hockey player playing the perfect game of hockey and i wouldn't really know or care only because i just don't i'm not invested in hockey this is a world and a character and a situation that i'm just not invested in at all so it's more of indifference than hatred it's just i gave it three stars because Kate Blanchett is incredible um no offense to her i'm rooting for michelle yo of course but you know for the oscar but i mean if she deserves it she definitely deserves it so um that's it i'll i'll, I'll finish Five seconds early. All right, nicely done. All right. Um. No, I. I am. I probably a slightly higher, you know, feeble fan of classical music than it sounds like Will. But um, it wasn't the music that kind of sucked me into this world or kind of got, got me going on this. Uh, got 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 me impressed by this movie now don't be wrong there's homework to be had in this movie in the lingo and the musical grammar and you're going to need to raise your vocabulary get your dictionaries and thesauruses and all that but uh um and 
easily that opening scene of the uh, the stage interview between the uh, journalist and our main character who is introduced as being kind of a lived in EGOT character of this world. Mm-hmm. That, um, that kind of tells you a lot of what you need to know about one kind of where Kate Blanchett's going to come from. And then also, you know, to kind of name drop the music out there to kind of set the stage and do a whole thing. But out of all that, you know, in the world of music, what really kind of had me with some rapt attention for a good bit in this movie was, um, was the idea of like, um, how do I say this? Um, word choice kind of is the standout characteristic that I was just eminently impressed by when it came to the script and what Kate Blanchett can do with, because, you know, she is just, I, I, when she gets into her rants in terms of the opening interview and then also that classroom scene that follows soon after you just watch her work and whatever's rolling off the page rolls right off of her tongue. And just, you hear all of it, just the, the intellectualness that you still have when you lambast the student. And as a teacher, I, I'm not saying I take joy in those moments, but it's kind of fun. Um, but, um, it's just she, those two scenes that obviously start the first act of the movie kind of tuned me in enough to be like, all right, let's see where this goes because you have that long take. You listen to her teach, rant, answer, question, explore, verbalize all these different likes and dislikes and stress levels that she has as a creator, as an artist. And out of all that, I see and felt and and was kind of brought uh, brought into just kind of the meticulousness of not just this character but also the meticulousness of Blanchett pulling this off um kind of this is tricky i mean we see a lot of times where a camera is a we call the for camera in a movie sometimes a very forgiving thing because it just kind of you can obviously do takes you can find the most perfect thing and stuff like that but um it's still in my opinion kind of a challenge to kind of depict exactness or to put exactness on display and to get a performer who has that exactness to show that off and still make it look like a character finding it, not just a camera capturing it. And you've got Lydia here who's kind of on point. She checks her emotions. She is razor focused. And someone like that who's kind of amplified in such a way, and not quite to like a horror movie level, but just kind of that flush feeling that's kind of there where, you know, her sensory emergence, her triggers as a person and as a creator and as an artist, it just really, really, really shows out. And I, I, I as a, at a school teacher level, I've met people tuned up that hard or that strongly where you take a school teacher and you, you know, ask them to organize their crayons and markers, or if you do it for them, watch, watch, watch you get a Lydia Tar back in return, maybe not to the orchestrational college level, but you get it to this kind of thing where, I've met people who are in that kind of controlling place and I can kind of see that and, and really appreciate where that's going because um, yeah, it, it's to have that character uh, uppity, if you want to call it that, have that tailspin of arrogance, exposed lies, professional dismissal. And, you know, even though she's kind of groomed for all this advancement and grooms other people for professional advancement, when all that lying kind of catches up to her in a very non-traditional way that the movie does it, because all of that accusation stuff is done off screen. It, it's a challenge that can you stay keyed into this character that you start to learn more and more is not somebody you want to really hang around with um can a movie convince you of that enough to hang around uh yeah that's that's it's a hearty challenge i was able to but i'm checking my watch and i'm wondering and i get to that ending and go i'm not trying to kind of think of the disc that will's thinking of but uh it's i'm one of those people where 
I admit my heart gets in the way where I want some comeuppance or I need, I need that pound of flesh sometimes in a movie. And for this character to kind of probably have that off screen instead of on screen, you have to kind of trust that that has happened and occurred to bring her where her new career is. But at the same time, it's just missing that extra pop. You know, it's yeah. Um, I had wrapped attention, but at the same time it wavered and I was challenged by it, but I like the fact of being challenged. So, All right. So Uh-oh. I was watch I was watch I was watching this movie. I I my goal here tonight is to change hearts and minds and make you want to revisit this film. That is my goal tonight. Everything that you guys said I appreciate and I take to heart. I understand this movie being a big ask. It's nearly three hours long. It gets deep, deep, deep into classical music and performance. I don't think this is a movie about classical music and performance. I was watching this movie with my friend and I got to about midway through the movie, the scene where Lydia Tarr hears screaming in the park. That is unexplained, right? She hears screaming in the park. There's a woman giving this horrible, horrible scream. She's turning around like, where is this coming from? Who's coming to help this woman? What's happening? We never find out, right? And I turn to my friend at that point and I go, oh my God, is this a horror movie? And a light bulb went off. And I'm here to argue with you that Tar is a horror movie. <laughs> that Tar is actually a psychological horror movie. Like, Don, you, you, you said, not in a horror movie kind of way, but I think it is in a horror movie kind of way. I think people are talking about this movie all wrong. The conversation largely has been dominated by talk about cancel culture and uh difficult people facing comeuppance and i i don't think that's i think that's that's an interesting part of the movie i don't think that's what the movie's about i think that this is about a woman who is haunted and who is psychologically unraveling you're watching a very tightly wound intellectual person who's got her life completely figured out and is living it very specifically, who is becoming unwound by her sins, getting discovered. I think it is a modern telling of the telltale heart, and you are watching a very difficult, powerful, bullying woman completely unravel. And I'm not even sure that the third act of the movie is entirely real. Um, I was hypnotized by this film i i I, again i watched this on i watched this on an oscar screener i watched it at home and i was it was late at night i was really tired i was like i know i need to watch this movie i'm going to start it maybe watch an hour before i have to go to bed i don't like to break movies up like that but i do often because life and i was riveted i was riveted and i watched all three hours uninterrupted and then the next day watched it again and I'm here to tell you that this movie gains so much dimension and depth and understanding on a rewatch, especially if you're watching it through the lens of, is this a horror movie? And I'm here to argue that it is. And, and I'm done. I want to talk about it with you guys now. Well done, well done, well done. Uh, hang tight and please enjoy this short announcement from the Ruminations Radio Network. Oh, God, it hurts. What's wrong, buddy? 
Nothing. That's the name of our podcast. Do you think anyone will know it's a reference to what some random SWAT team member said in that one scene in Terminator 2 after getting nailed in the back with a gas canister? Probably not, but they will get a regular dose of two lifelong gamer buddies on either side of the Pacific Ocean, delivering their view of video games with a retro emphasis every other week. That's cool. All right, welcome back. No, Barb, I tell you what, um, it didn't Barbara. take much of a light bulb for me to... Barbara. Oh, sorry. Not sorry, Barb, sorry, sorry, sorry. Barb. I know. The Babs is great. No, but um, but Barbara, I I admit it didn't take much of a light bulb for me to to come around, come yeah, to be able to come around already immediately and go, ooh, play this as a horror movie, and that could definitely work. And I'm kind of with you where that third act to me, I, I watched it big screen theater, huge festival atmosphere, like packed house. Um, and I'm with you when when the big concert comes and you see this flash of her maybe you know tackling the composer that she was replaced by and then to have all of the tailspin that comes after that you know going to her old home and obviously ending up overseas like there i could see a peyton farquhar moment where this is not real and if that's the case ooh, there's some there's some delectable stuff there to consider i'm with you I, I'm, there's, there's, I'm drinking the kool-aid your, your hand there's here. a where I feel like, okay, now we're in her head and none of this yeah. is necessarily granted in the real world. And that is when she goes after the young cellist, the young Russian yes. cellist that she's trying to groom, right? She's mm, her next target right. that she's trying to groom. She chases after her into this derelict building mm-hmm. and she gets mm-hmm. down the hallway and she turns around and there's this dog that looks yeah. like it's something mythological. Like, right? It doesn't uh, look like a real life dog. Yeah. It's too big to be a real dog. It's growling at the end of the hallway. It's this big black omen. And mm-hmm. she freaks out and she goes running and she falls and she slams and hit her head, hits her head, and everything goes to black. That's and right. I kind of think that everything after that isn't real because the pitch oh, of the scene. The, okay. the pitch of the scene where she like tackles the person, it's like this inept kind of buffoonish guy. Oh yeah, who, totally. Who can't get anywhere, and now suddenly he's directing her. her yeah, Mark Strong. Symphony, her uh-huh. yeah, yeah, and it's just like, okay, well, this doesn't feel real. Like she's standing backstage next to like I think a trumpeter who's uh-huh. who's playing musical notes, and he doesn't see her, and she's there in full costume to you know conduct the orchestra, and. Nobody seems to see her or know that she's there. Like none of that feels real because I don't think it is. All right, that is. Well, fun and then the other, I'm the other. I'm thing, there. there. Yeah, there are lots of little things like that. Like especially in that in that latter third, where I'm like, oh, I'm not. I'm not sure any of this is happening in real life. Like she goes to. Um, she's she's uh, overseas. I think in Vietnam, um, and she goes to a massage parlor towards the end. And they bring her in to pick somebody to miss. Again, these are things that I got on a rewatch. I did not get all this on the first watch. I've watched this a couple of times. But she goes back. She goes to this massage parlor. And they ask her to pick somebody to massage her. And it it becomes clear that it's not on the level massage parlor. And the the woman who's got a number five on her looks up and that's the, that's the Mahler symphony that she was going to Mm -hmm. conduct. Like there are all these like psychological cues and triggers where you're like, Oh, this is, this is in her head and maybe not real life. I I, I like your gears on this one. 
Well, real quick, I believe it's the Philippines, actually, when I looked that up. Oh, Philippines. Uh, okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. I, I, I wasn't sure what it was either. I had to look it up. But it's the Philippines. I should have um, looked it up. Um, uh, before, here's my problem. I, I love what you're saying. And, and from like I said, from a technical standpoint, I really loved that stuff. Like, I loved it on a technical level. I was like, this is creepy and whatever. I think the problem is, even when I go back and, and sift through the images with your perspective, which I think is brilliant, I still don't care. <laughs> That's the problem, is I still mm. yeah, I mean, don't I care. Okay. Like, I, can't, I, can't, I mean, I can't change that, right? Like, you care right. about I, what I, you care about. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's a, see, that to me would make it more interesting. I, I agree oh, with yeah. you, but, but at the same time, it, it's still about that character, regardless of whether we're insider mind or not, um, regardless of whether she deserves redemption or not, whatever. I have to be on that journey and want to see where this is going. Like, and like I said, I just, I don't, even with that added thing, I kind of go, okay. (laughs) I'm just like, I, I still don't really care, (laughs) you know? And that's, that's, I think that's the problem with it is that emotional part for me. It's just whether it's a real journey or not, or whether it's, a, a mind slowly breaking down or whatever. I just, I, I just, I'm having problems. I'm having I mean, I would care. say, I would say for me, this was less an emotional journey. Like she wasn't a character that I was emotionally invested in being happy. She's right. She's an asshole, right? She's not a good person. Yeah. She's a bully. Um, she's a megalomaniac. She's controlling, you know, I, she's not somebody whose side I was on. Mm-hmm. What invested right. me in tar very quickly was, I saw the movie as an intellectual exercise. Like, I feel like this is the smartest, whether or not you enjoy it. Right. That's another question. To me, I yeah. felt like it was the smartest movie I saw of the past year. Ooh. Well, wait, real okay. quick. I got a couple I, up there with it, but yes, I, I qualify that as well. Easily. When I, and that, when and I, that is something, that is something like, Will, you said you don't care about the character. I mean, that might be how you approach movies. Like, do I give a shit about this character? Am I invested in this character? For me, Mm-hmm. It, the 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 equation's a little bit different, and I'm like, am I intellectually engaged in what the story yeah, is doing? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could, I guess. I mean, well, here's here was my thing, and and this is funny that when I found out that you were going to be our guest for this episode, then I watched the movie. I watched it thinking about you and <laughs> well, like how you were wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and what does uh, that mean? Okay, well, no. was she was she the big black dog in the alley? For you. She was, and, and her TikTok yeah. was on at the same time, so it was kind of you know, <laughs> a, little, a little strange for me. But no, but I was thinking about like the movies that I know that you like, and a, a comparison I got when I was done. And it's ironic that you're on the show talking about this because it's one of our lost episodes. Is another another movie that involves a true asshole that mm-hmm. we should not give a shit about and care about. Is Phantom Thread right, Daniel Day Lewis? I do think I person. do think this has some similarities to Phantom right. Thread. I do. It's a but, tightly wound, controlled person unraveling. Yeah. But here's True. the difference. Here's the difference. If we're going from a character angle, is that at least in Phantom Thread you have, I don't, I don't, I think her name is Alma, uh, Vicky Krep's character. Mm-hmm. She is kind of our avatar of the person we're caring about, and we're seeing the bad person or the person that's an asshole 
kind of through their eyes and living the experience through them. And then, of course, obviously it has that amazing ending. Yeah. Whereas I think Tar, even though there are some characters that are very, uh, what do you call it, sympathetic, like the, the Nina Haas character, the, the girlfriend, um, stuff like that, it's still very much a Tar-only kind of experience. I, I would argue, I would argue, and again, this is yeah. an intellectual exercise, and I'm not calling you stupid by saying that, God. I'm just <laughs> clarifying that there are, like, different things that you look... There are different things that you, like, go to a movie for, right? And right. you can watch it intellectually, you can watch it emotionally, you can focus on characters, like, totally understand that there are different interpretations of movies and different things that will move you or not move you. So, totally not calling anybody stupid for not liking the movie. But I think your avatar, I think the audience avatar, and this is a little tricky for Tar, is Krista, the girl who commits suicide, that that Tar has sort of pushed out of her professional society and her emotional life, right? right? Like, so there's this, there's this young woman that she's sort of, it seems like she's groomed, right? And it's... one of the things I love about this movie is that all of this is off screen and it's all through oh, very much so. yeah. yeah. And so there's this like young woman. Yeah. There's this young woman that she's sort of groomed. She's told her that she's her muse. They had some kind of, you know, sexual affair that was on Krista's part emotional. And then not only did she spurn her romantically, but she, she burned her professionally, right? Like she sent all of these emails to every single orchestra in the entire world saying, don't hire Krista, she's crazy. And you see her, it's so brilliant. Like you, there's, a, there's a shot really, really early on, like the first time that you see Tar, uh, and it's during that conversation, that long conversation, Will, that you said that like lost you at the beginning about, <laughs> she's talking with a guy with NPR about classical music. Yeah. But there's a redheaded woman in the very, very back. And one of the first shots of the movie is the back of the head of this redheaded woman watching Lydia give this speech. And I think she is meant to be our avatar to caring about what happens to this person who's kind of a monster. Hmm. I so, feel I like mean, it's different I, I, than Phantom Thread. Yeah. Like you're supposed yeah. to care about Daniel Day Lewis's character and be kind of endeared to him, but I think it's totally different in Tar. And like your appetite might be different for that, right? Like, can you stomach three hours of a really shitty person mm-hmm. being shitty? I, I and see that's where kind of the point. You know what I mean? I, I can see what Will's saying. Where you need a bit of a Virgil to get you through the Inferno. Where uh, right, like. Like you have Vicky Krebs in Phantom Thread, and for a bit you have Nina Haas as the girlfriend and the assistant. Oh, the assistant where, yeah. yeah, so that helps. But at the same time, I know that this is like what like Will saying, this is still very Kate Blanchett heavy. And I know one of my first reactions coming out of this movie was if you take Kate away, what's left? And there's not a lot left sometimes. But at the same time, that's all you need when it's just her doing this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I I really do appreciate that viewpoint. I do. I, I maybe someday. I mean, like I said, this is not on my my list of things I want to revisit anytime soon. But you know, maybe. I mean, things change, and maybe someday I'll be like, oh, because if she if she probably wins, you know, because uh, this will be for Kate Blanchett. I think that would be her third Oscar. Be which her is third. Kind of, a big deal because I, I gotta couple. say, I gotta say, even though I do think Kate Blanchett is doing 
the most brilliant work of her entire career in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And that she is deserving of winning. I am rooting for Michelle Yeoh, though. Well, yeah, that's 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 my. How can you? How can you not? How can you not? Exactly. Of course, yeah. but I, I don't know. I think that um, you know this is more of that typical Oscar-winning role that they're going to. Just like my issues. Well, I with don't. I don't well. know that it is. It's hard because it you is. got the. Dis- I, I agree. I don't know that you it is the- a typical best actress winning role, though. I mean, for actress, for actor, yes, but a difficult yeah. asshole for leading lady, like. Again, that's one or, of the things that I like about this movie because you don't see that a lot. It's yeah. tricky because, like, Kate's also one for being that's the true already. Like, Blue Jasmine's yeah. not that far away. But she know? was like a yeah. tragic asshole in Blue Jasmine. I know, which is what people yeah. like more, and like, kind of where Will's coming from with this. At where you have pure, like you said, as an actor, Daniel Day Lewis hand him this stuff all day long because uh, he he's making a living playing great assholes. But you're right for a woman to do it. That's much a taller task where i mean we're all rooting for michelle yo and you even have like daniel deadweiler in the in the hunt and things like that but where as great as kate is this is what this feels like one of those yes she deserves it yes she's at the top of her game but meryl streep plays assholes and we don't give oscars to assholes you know and yet francis mcdormand wins for playing the asshole every time she ever plays one so it's hard i don't know how well, often no, I, I, meant more in terms, I mean she wasn't I meant- an asshole in fargo no, like, but that's yeah. She was had a heart of gold in Fargo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I no, meant, no, no. I meant more of the but like film. no red land and I meant more of the film type. Like giving an Oscar for a for all. I mean, it's hard to put a genre on everything everywhere all at once. But for what is yeah. essentially a fantasy sci-fi kind of thing, even a martial arts film. That, mm-hmm. that, I, that's what I meant is the genre. Like usually you're going to see the dramas are going to win these things, not the outlier in terms of the genre like the 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 martial art yeah. fantasy sci-fi film that's what i meant by that not necessarily like who she is in the character but like right, right. when you see like a tar come out you're like well that's going to be oscar bait i mean maybe not oscar bait deliberately but you know like what's going for the oscar and what's going for something else, i guess is what i'm saying um with that but uh i i yeah, I, I really like this discussion. I just, I just wish I could care. I just, <laughs> I, I. That's my, that's my main problem. There's so much good here, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, and- like I said, it's it's visually well made, and, um, like I said, all the actors. I mean, I buy it. Like, this is not like, this is not where I think, you know, Kate Blanchett just learned the piano once, like to, for the role. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like. I feel like she is a an accomplished, like you know, well, and, uh, and, person. You know, we've been talk, we've been talking about her like as a dramatic performance, being kind of an asshole mm-hmm. and all that. I also think she's hilarious in this movie. She's so oh gosh, funny. yes, I love the scene that, where that, she's playing yeah, the accordion the whole, the and saying apartment yeah. for sale, and and, and there are uh, just like so many scenes that are just hilarious. The, well, the mom you, on the playground scene, I love the it. Mom oh on the God. playground scene that actually supports your horror movie oh, totally. aspect because it is. I think at first glance that's played for humor, but mm-hmm. it once you get to know this character and if she is having yeah. this mental break, like you start going like. Holy shit! Maybe she would murder a kid. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like I don't, you know. So it actually kind of supports your 
your theory there about the horror film part because that's actually well, and there were also like if you rewatch this movie with like an evil eye with the idea of like is this a horror movie there are shots where in the background in the shadows you can clearly see a woman standing like a shadow of a woman that mm-hmm. looks like the krista person right with the long hair so there are like there are like little moments where you're like, oh fuck, that was a person in the shadows in the background. And it was clearly, I mean, she's there. It's not just the shape of the shadow. It's like a person standing in the shadows and it just goes by in a blip. There are things like that in the film. There's this pattern that keeps appearing. Um, Uh, You know, she gets this book um, and mm -hmm. opens it and it's from Krista. She's in the airplane bathroom and she throws the book away hurriedly. Well, there's this pattern drawn on the front of the book. Again, watched it with an eagle eye. A couple of times that pattern keeps appearing over and over and over yeah, again that, like haunted just, moments like there's this metronome that goes off in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and she gets up to go stop the metronome and it's got the pattern drawn into the cover That's um, right. her daughter's got a pattern is drawn she's is she's drawn it on her yeah, desk in I, the room you know i liked that because that was when it feels like the walls are closing in like because mm-hmm. now her daughter's drawing the image you know um i, I found that interesting i I did want to get your opinion just because, you know, we're trying to be a leaner and meaner podcast now in terms of time. <laughs> I wanted to get your take on the ending because. Oh my God, the, I the, love the, the ending. The, the very, very ending because you obviously have a very, a more intellectual take on this. So I'm going with like gut instinct. My initial reaction to the very ending, which is when you find out that she's composing, it's for a video game called Monster Hunter, and she's basically. Because uh, I looked it up, because I was like, "Oh, is this something?" And it, it, apparently, it's a game called Monster Hunter. What's funny? It, what's funny is the way that the movie is set up. The credits are at the beginning of the film. Weirdly, yes. like the way that it's set up, and oh, so yeah. the, very what, the very the very first page of credits, you can clearly see Capcom Monster Hunter at the bottom. Oh, okay. like, I, didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't see so that. So there's I like didn't... there's like well, I didn't see it until I rewatched it, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> they told you at the very beginning." But. I guess my initial instinct as someone who is a defender of popular art, you know, or, or niche art, like video games or comic books and things like that. Is it a diss at that? Because she has got to the point where she has lowered herself to being a video game. In Lydia Tarr's mind. Yes. This this elitist person who's at the top of her game in the yeah. classical music world. Right. That's this very elitist intellectual person. She would look down on video uh-huh. game music. Gotcha. So okay. this is so if this is all if like the last third of the movie or so isn't real and it's her own personal hell, like I had to bite my tongue, Don, because you were saying like you struggled with mm-hmm. her not getting her comeuppance. But this no, is it's her there, but like because in her no, mind, yeah. this is as low as she can think. Directing, oh, no, it, conducting a score to yeah. video games. No, I, I think I, it's more a reflection it, yeah. of her character. Definitely, okay, so no, it, no, no. It, it's there and it counts. But I, I, I guess I was expecting is the wrong word. But like, I you you normally get that Hollywood one where like. Like I, if this was a Hollywood movie, you, you would end in the courtroom with her getting, you know, some yeah. getting guilty I mean, of whatever charges she goes to the grooming. Like I, yeah. I, I'm I happy it's off screen, like it. yeah. But it's missing. Like for, it. Yeah, no, no. But like it's still missing. Just I don't know. A, a, one more poke, one more prod, one more charge of hmm. like got her. You know, like See, I know for she. For me, for 
me, yeah. the ending, my soul left my body. I was laughing so hard. Like they, they, yeah, they scanned yeah. the crowd. I guffawed and my soul left my body. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's hilarious. It's yeah. the exact opposite of the world that she just came from that we saw at the uh -huh. very beginning of the movie in that NPR discussion with all of the like fancy right. yeah. people talking about classical music. And it's just a hell, it's just a private personal hell. Well, to, mm. to support your, uh, to support your viewpoint too, about the disintegration, like to me, the come up and smoke moment for me, uh, I know it's not as grandiose as Don wishes it was, but for me, the grandiose one is, or I'm sorry, the, the one that really got me was when she's at home and her brother's like, Hey, Linda, or I guess it's Lydia. Mm -hmm. And like, at that point, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, like she doesn't even have Lydia anymore. She's right, yeah. her avatar yeah. is gone. That's like a good one. This person that she's created for herself is dead now. She's just Lydia yeah. in some shitty home with wood siding on the walls. And then right. also, she loses her daughter. Like she goes to pick her daughter up at the playground, and her partner comes and takes the daughter away. And she goes, "Don't do yeah. this, don't do this." And then she leaves. So she's lost her daughter. She's lost her identity. She's yeah. lost her standing. Like she's Did she's you conducting. Buy that she loves her daughter, though? Because I don't. I don't I, think she I, loves anybody. I, I, right. I, I, saw, I see it as more of like a obligation that she did to boost her profile or something. I, I, I get no connection. I get no will, parental connection. I will say that it's, well, the, the partner at some point, her partner at some point says, your relationship with your daughter is your only relationship that isn't transactional. And I do mm. think that's true. I do think that's true. Whether that, that, that might not be your bar for parental love, which is a good thing. That means you're a good dad. But, oh. <laughs> but like for her, like she does go and confront this bully. Like you're ruining my daughter's life. I, I will ruin you if you mess with her again. Her daughter keeps asking her to come into her room and hold her foot. And she does. Was, she sits there and she holds her foot. And so, like, it's not a transactional relationship. Yeah, okay, There's that's something. Fair, that's fair. I think she loves her. It's her version of love, which is mm -hmm. lacking. I love that that little um, attention to detail with the foot mm -hmm. because that's like what kids are like. I mean, like, yeah. Oh, they, sure. Sometimes, sometimes they will latch on to the strangest things. And I mean, that's not strange, but it is different. Like usually you want like Neat. a parent to lay, to lay yeah. with you or hug you. Like she's like, just please hold my foot. I love that as a parent. I was kind of like, yeah, I, I've had similar, you know, mm -hmm. situations like that. I thought that was a really nice touch. And, and that leads me to, I guess I want to go back to that ending real quick. I think maybe the reason why I thought at first it was a diss and you've, con you've convinced me it isn't because it's more from the character's perspective. It's a diss is because the film is so lovingly attentive to detail on classical music that I kind of, you know, I know it's from Tar's perspective, but at the same time, I also thought that maybe the director loves this world so much that maybe I was focused on no. like, okay. Cause, no, cause I would definitely a lot of argue. I would definitely okay. argue it's Tar's and like, I love yeah, video game I music. I love video games and I think video game music is brilliant sometimes and oh, yeah, movie right. scores are brilliant. I think it's modern classical music. I do. I agree. Yeah, she 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 cuts down Jared Goldsmith in this movie too, and I was pissed. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. say shit about Jerry Goldsmith. May you rest in peace. <laughs> but she a does, character like that would, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? That's a good question. I was uh I was looking at reviews okay. on Letterboxd. Okay. By the way, it's called Letarboxed when you uh, oh, are. Of course um, it is. 
But um, Bowen Yang, he's a uh, he's probably one of the best SNL mm-hmm. cast members. He's yeah, on he's Letterbox, good. and I follow him. And he said, "My theory uh, is that Lydia's EGOT wins are all for acting." <laughs> I am <laughs> trying to figure out what she got the EGOT for, like because. I don't. I can't see her making a movie score or a television score. Like, if I cannot. You look, if, if you look up Tar and Egot on Twitter, like there are entire threads devoted to like dreaming oh, up shit. what it was she got yeah. the Egot for. Well, like, comp- the composer of the movie is uh, Hildor. I can never pronounce her last name. Um, Joker, right? She won the Oscar for Joker. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have, and, and she is an Oscar-worthy composer. Where yeah. if I picture somebody like that. I'm not saying Hilda is a you know bitch on wheels the way this character is, but like it could be done. You know, you come up early sure. and do something, and or did Linda win those? You know, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, also, I just wanted to give a shout out to to a user on Letterbox named Griffin Newman. His uh, review is simply "Got to separate the tar from the tartist," and I thought that was oh, a pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty clever. Um, take because I, I do see a lot of reviews of people being like yeah she's horrible but i'd go to one of her concerts you know <laughs> like it's oh, sure. yeah <laughs> um i i know i i really I, I can see now that it is more of a character thing and not a director thing I, I i guess i was just maybe just taken aback by the amount of detail focused on classical music that i couldn't help mm. but think that maybe the creator behind this movie is you know talking about yeah. a very bad figure in it but also well, I mean, well- if you look at his if you look at his career like he it's right. no his three movies are so different like oh very much so. in the in the bedroom i think is a really beautiful smart adaptation of a brilliant short story the, the short story that in the bedroom is based on is like one of the best i've ever read in my entire life little children is dark and deranged and what i feel kate winslet should have won her oscar for um, yeah, I, and then, and, yeah, really compare, too. yeah, you compare these three movies, they don't really share a lot of similar DNA. I don't think Todd Field is necessarily obsessed with classical music, and I don't no. think it's a movie about classical music. I think it's about a person who is at the top of her game in a given mm-hmm. field, and so that brings with it a lot of classical music talk. But I found it weirdly, and I, I, I'm not a, I mean, I listen to classical music while I read and stuff, like, I, you know, I. I wouldn't call myself an aficionado or somebody who's brilliant at it or anything, but I was captivated because I'm watching people who are the best at what they do talk about something. And I was like, Oh, I, I'm just kind of enraptured because these are very smart intellectual people talking about something. I don't know that much about. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like Todd is making that character piece, but finding the right world to set it in. And I think he, by finding one this elitist, so to speak, in this highbrow, the world of classical music, not a lot of us, you know, circulate in that direction and swim in that pool. Uh, He's, and then, but he obviously, as you can tell, as as a filmmaker, dove into it, you know, to get the lingo, get the language, find the right you know, tipping points and places where I, he's just a, a good thorough filmmaker who found yeah. the right, the right world to mesh a character in, because you could set that you could take the best at their game thing and set it in a sports movie, set it well, in think, something else, but he I set it what, in a place just high enough to be intriguing, different and exotic. Even I think, 
think what makes it interesting too, I think he's also making a point by setting it in the classical music world because weirdly we haven't talked about this yet, even though it's what most people talk about when they talk about this movie is the entire like cancel culture um, aspect of it or, you know, an artist, can you separate the art from the artist? An artist who does Mm. terrible things, can you still appreciate them? Like she has that entire confrontation with the student about Bach who's like, well, I can't listen to Bach because he fathered 20 kids with different women and, I'm yeah. a person of color who's pangender and she like tears him apart. But I think he's choosing classical music on purpose because it's like an older art form. And he's showing all of these, all of these classical musicians that we revere who've done bad things. Like she, they bring up Schopenhauer who threw a woman down a flight of stairs or Mahler right. whose, whose works that she's working on um, performing live you know, he mistreated his partner and, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, there are all these classical musicians and composers who were bad people. And we think of sort of like cancel culture stuff as being like a super modern phenomena, the separating the art from the artist thing is being very modern. But I think he's choosing classical music on purpose because he's showing all of these sort of like bad actors in this field where you don't really think of people as being bad actors. Right. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, like when you think about uh, like, let's, let's talk about like a show. Here's my weird comparison of the day. But like, when you think of uh, a show like Frasier, right. What is kind of the joke of that show is that you have these high society people that are into opera and art. And the kind of joke is how out of touch they are mm-hmm. with kind of regular life, you know? And so, yeah, like classical music. I mean, yeah, you could, Classical music is kind of this interesting thing because you can, there's radio channels de- dedicated to it. You can find it anywhere. You can see it used everywhere. But at the same time, there's also this contingent that makes it so elitist and so like specific and, and academic and, and things like that, that it is, at least it was easy for me to be like, well, and maybe that's why that opening scene, I'm kind of turning mm-hmm. a little bit on it. Maybe, the, maybe that's why that opening scene existed me to really hate her because i'm sitting there like okay whatever like like, i don't (laughs) believe anything you're fucking saying right now like you know uh so i I don't know i mean yeah yeah, it's a good field to choose yeah if you did this as like a sports team or a movie director or whatever it probably wouldn't hold the same level of no it wouldn't yeah care you know I know Barbara earlier you said like this is the smartest movie you said you've seen this year and it's yeah it's between this for me and women talking where mm. where women talking obviously it has a setting of if you want to call it whatever you want to call it podunkness so to speak but which is based the, off of a really great book oh yeah but uh, but the okay. fact that like you you're you're having these big ideas and these big conversations in a supposedly lesser podunk setting where it's the polar opposite to something like this where you have this very intellectual setting with very mm-hmm. you know scandalously deep things happening whereas you're over here in women talking having really difficult conversations in a very benign on the outside place and we're gonna have those big talks so between those two movies those are the yeah. Well, and, and because I'm not only the Marvel shill but a Jordan Peele shill, I've got to throw in my my two cents about Nope being the smartest movie of the year. Oh, that's just not even. That's close, just me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say not even close. It's a it's a deeply layered movie about nope. so many different topics, but that's fine. Whatever. E- sure. I'll, <laughs> I'll throw in the top ten. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. 
No, help me, <laughs> help me beat that movie down, please. I feel right. like Jordan Peele's last two movies are more dissertations than films. Thank mm. you. Interesting, interesting. I mean, I like I like us, but at the same time, he's grasping. Yeah, I'm with you. And and, and wrong, I wrong, like, but interesting. Wrong, but I like I like a lot of things about No. Like oh, like sure. I think there are some brilliant action set pieces. Mm-hmm. I just think that he I I it, it feels like a dissertation that you need an index to cross reference while you're watching to understand everything it is he's trying to do because he's not communicating it super effectively cinematically. Well, Agreed. I will my argument, say it again. my argument there is <clears throat> kind of like what you said with Tar about how you picked up on things a couple of other times. I think Nope is one that benefits from multiple viewings. Because no, I see, got I, a lot out of it the first time. Second time I was like, holy shit, I'm getting a lot more. And then the third time I was like, oh fuck, this is this is on a whole different level. That's so I think, I think it it'll only get worse for me as I watch it. <laughs> just like a Shyamalan film. It'll just get worse. Oh, well, like, oh, I, I, I think I. he's too I think he's too in his own head and it's not coming mm. across on screen okay I, all all you guys said you're telling me your 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 movies that you think are the smartest i'm telling you mine and i didn't mean i know like a let's get all over will podcast <laughs> you disagree fine just say you disagree my god okay okay Jesus. i will i disagree like, Okay, thank you. That's much You're better. Like, why, why is this shit on Will time? What happened? Like, <laughs> I thought it was shit on Jordan Peele time. Yes, no, I was there for that, that too. Is, yeah. That is shitting on Will time. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a shrine to Jordan Peele in my freaking house. So yeah, yeah you like, just have your head up his ass. That's all too, which is a little too close to the shit we're shitting on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. Let's go back okay. to Tar. Jesus, God. All right. Closing thoughts surprised. on Tar. Yes, closing thoughts on Tar. Barbara. Uh, I guess I, I'm just I, curious if I've moved the needle for you at all or oh, made sure. you interested no. in rewatching it. Um, you, I, no for Will, but you had, now, I don't know how fast I'll rewatch it, but because I, I'm, my head's pretty good where I can go back into my head and catch it all. But like to turn to, you know, to turn on the, the horror vibe on it. Yeah. I, I see it and I get it. And it, it helps, it helps me like play that in my head and go, Oh yeah, that, that would play, that would work. That takes another element or adds another element that I can appreciate. I still might not want, you know, super duper loving and watch it again, but I, I definitely won't dog it. It'll be, and, and of course, Kate. Kate's amazing. So, yeah, I I was thinking about rewatching it, and then when you two ganged up on me about Jordan Peele, I, like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "Fuck you, Tar is the worst what film of I, the year." What if I what if I rewatch Nope? Overrated. What if I rewatch Nope with an open heart? What if you open rewatch heart. Nope with me, so we can finally meet? Because then we got together. Here we go. That. I've got right. it on digital, I've got it on 4K, I've got it on Blu-ray. Oh. Any, name, name the time and place, I will watch Nope with you, and if you need the index, I've got it. Right here in my head, baby. <laughs> the bar's got a pool. Come on. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm saying it out there the general have, public. I don't have a pool. I stole somebody else's pool. Well, cool. it's the great backdrop for that TikTok channel. So keep Is this on wish- the TikTok? Oh, I gotta watch this TikTok, man. Told you. Okay. 
No, but the, the invite is open for a nope viewing because it's my favorite movie of 2022. Mm. And I've had to endure you guys shitting on me all over it. So she <laughs> will. She's tricking what? you. She's talking about having an open heart, but not an open mind. Be careful, my friend. Oh, uh, that's true. See, see? you're only going to get so much out of that. My, ooh. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Tar is the worst movie I've ever seen. And oh. Anyone who likes it is intellectually dumb and <laughs> it's stupid. I don't like it. I got to say, though, the one word that has not come up from any of the three of us, and I'm glad it didn't, is the word pretentious. Like, I won't go there. Like, it's it doesn't reek of that the way other people. No, no, no. I thought it was. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I'm happy. Same, same, same. And I do like that she calls everybody robots when she is kind of actually a robot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she's always like. And like one of the things that I like about her performance so much is she has all these like weird ticks. Oh, totally. Yeah, like she'll touch herself and do weird things before she starts playing the piano. She screws up at one point playing the piano and she does all of her ticks in a row and then starts playing again. And, you know, she's just this person who's got this tightly orchestrated life. And it's like she's programmed. It's like she's like she she won't give up that apartment with Mm -hmm. the the uh, the woman and the mother that can't, you know, get out of bed. And yeah, like they, they mentioned that that's a problem. Like she's just like. Pro- attached to that apartment like she will not give mm-hmm. it up that's another whoa whoa, whoa 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 i got it but, this double feature with megan robot oh. for robot mm-hmm. interesting Unexpect- unexpected <laughs> i'm into it yeah you have an I open see. mind for that but not an open oh. heart not an open mind for no <laughs> fine <laughs> great megan uh, all right <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where can we find you on social media besides TikTok? And, and tell us what your TikTok is, and mostly so I can write it down uh, and then find I don't it. Know, I don't know what my TikTok is. Let me open it up and see. Babs, know, I, I under, I... Babs, Babs underscore Van on TikTok. Um, it's mostly about my cat and my boobs. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Babs Van, no underscore. And inexplicably, you can find me on usatoday.com. Why is that inexplicable? You're an because I'm person. not You're an in- interesting person. I don't even know why oh. I'm on this podcast. Bullshit. That's bullshit. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, okay, maybe I'm fishing. Maybe I'm fishing. You're very interesting. Um, and any person this, with a TikTok channel is automatically fishing. Yeah, so yes. I have <laughs> I have an open heart to Aww. how interesting you are. Not an open mind, but an open heart about, about <laughs> you. So, all right. Specific distinction. All right. Yes, very specific <laughs> distinction. No, but um, all right. Everybody follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit. We are on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast and Instagram at Cinephile Fits. Don has a TikTok. So follow that, I guess. Uh, find both of us by name. <laughs> oh, Thanks, Will. All right. Sorry, buddy. Uh, find both of us by name on Letterboxd or Letterboxd to check out our film <laughs> reviews and ratings. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, and we are charter members of the Independent Film Critics of America. Uh, we have recently done our nominations for the Best of 2022, where I named Nope the Best Picture of the Year, but that's fine. Whatever. No one cares oh, about dear. that. Thank you so much for your loyal viewership in our tussles 
and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive and 25YL Media. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you robots find your favorite podcasts.